Hey guys, I'm Whitney. And I'm Kylie. Welcome to the Midwest Farm Wives Podcast. We are two millennial farm wives raising lots of littles, figuring out how to run ag businesses with our husbands, learning, loving, and living life day by day in America's heartland. If you landed here, you can expect uplifting positive real talk about being a farm wife, mom, and being a woman in agriculture, conquering all God gives us. We are so excited you're traveling on this back road with us. Hello, and welcome back to episode eight, the one with no agenda. Welcome, welcome. We didn't really have a set topic, so we just decided we would discuss several things and hope that it meshed well. Yeah, it will be one of those new and exciting experiences that we hope everyone, including ourselves, enjoy. <laughs> yes, and our biggest news is we hit 10K, 10,000 listeners. So we Pretty did- humbling. It, it is extremely humbling. And we did a drawing and we have a winner. She will be interviewed at the end of uh, Kylie and I's chat. So her name is Jennifer Schmidt. And we thank everyone that entered the giveaway. That was super fun. And she will get a t-shirt and get to chat with us. Yeah, super fun. I'm excited for that interview. We are going to offer a listener review before we ju- jump right into the agenda of no agenda. <laughs> Okay, this one is from Jess Dollins, and she writes, The realest of real mama and ag talk. These ladies keep it fresh and real. They talk about the good and bad and the ugly of farming and raising the next generation. They keep you feeling the fills and laughing with them. Keep up the hard work, ladies. Thank you very much, Jessica. That means a lot. Yep, we appreciate it, and we enjoy sharing our real. Yes, so recap of the last two weeks. Uh, We're in harvest. We're only like an eighth done, so we have a long road ahead, but we're going to push through and keep on not trucking, but combining. Uh, We've, the yields are really great. The moisture is perfect. We've just had heck with our combines, both of them. Some, one is computer stuff, the other one's mechanical stuff. So it's just been kind of a headache with all of it, but we can't control any of it. Definitely a headache for Bart, but what about for you? Um, I guess the worst part for me is being the supporter, seeing him down and trying to help, but like, I can't do anything, you know, like I can't control it either. So I can't help him in any way. Well, and you've had to run and get a lot of things lately. Yeah. Yeah. The gopher on the parts running has been for real. Yeah. Gopher girl for sure. The last week, at least just (laughs) us chatting. Yes. So how's your guys' harvest going? It's going exceptionally well. Um, I have no complaints so far, knock on wood. <laughs> we have been in harvest for exactly two weeks, even though it feels like a month. I think when you, when your husband and you are putting in, tw- well, I guess it wouldn't be 20 hour days, like 16 to 18 hour days, which I know some people do that forever and like that's their life. But um, when you're working until midnight and then you get up and go again. It just makes it long. And I'm not even doing that. That's totally Jordan. So I know he's exhausted already. We've had three rain days, which God has allowed that to be on the weekend, which is extra special because then I'm home and the kids are home too. And we really, really enjoy that, but it's just tiring. So we finished up, we have 
about a fourth of our corn acres left to harvest. But when the beans are ready to go, if you are a soybean farmer, you know that you start cutting them because they don't stand real well once they get wet. And they even when, like when they're ready to cut, you cut them. So we started that yesterday. And um, we're actually having a few combine issues too. Our combine's new, which is exciting because we love it but our scales are off in it. I think it scales like the bushel monitor. Oh yeah. So then when you cut, you have no idea what you're actually making. Right. We, we think the weights were off. So we fixed them like when we were working on corn and then they were pretty close. Like we were able to make that really, really close. But now that we're cutting soybeans, they're like 10,000 pounds off in our favor. Like we have 10,000 pounds more soybeans than it's reading, but it's still wrong. And we really need that to be right for sure. Lucky lucky for us, we have a set of scales that we've talked about. So we were able to really identify where the problem was. So at some point we're going to have to stop and get that fixed and clean the combine out and let them get in there. The guys from our John Deere dealer, John Deere dealership work on it. It's a lot of D's. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we have calibration problems too. And this jumps into an accident I had this last week. Um, oh dear. I know what this is about. <laughs> so we use a way wagon. If we cannot get our monitor to read correctly, we use a way wagon to put bushels in there and then it cal- you can calibrate, see how much you're off, how much you're ahead or behind. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Bart had me go to town, get this way wagon. I should say, go borrow this way wagon. It's not ours. I, uh, put the right ball on, backed up. The guy kind of like switched it a couple times. So I don't know if he second guessed himself. And then I didn't know what he put back in because he had me get in back up more and then hooked it on. So I drove down the highway for 15 miles. Thank God this didn't happen to me then. Like, is it a truck hitch that you pull it with? Yes. So like a two inch ball hitch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm following. Yeah. And so I get on this dirt road, I hit a bump and it like flies 15 feet in the air, like took flight, flipped. I saw, Uh, I like watched in the rearview mirror and my heart dropped because I had no idea what was happening. (laughs) So did, uh, sorry to interrupt, but did, was it like slow motion? It was. And then my mind was just like, oh my God, I just broke this thing. I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's so, not mine. Yeah. So the terrible call that nobody ever wants to make, tried calling Bart, tried calling the two hired guys with him. Nobody would answer. I'm in a no service zone. Of course. In, in the bottom of a hill, there's like trucks coming. And all I could think is somebody's going to hit this and kill themselves, or I'm going to get hit in the pickup. I have the kids with me. So I pulled up the hill, turned on my hazards, finally got a hold of Bart. They came, they pulled it back up. All, the tire went off the bead, like nothing was wrong with it, which Ugh. was a godsend. I have no how, idea how that happened, but come to find out the wrong size ball was on, on hmm. the pitch. So that's why I lost it. It wasn't my fault. Bart called me like two hours later. He's like, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm like really frazzled. I said that could have been really like if that would have happened on the highway and someone's behind me or I'm like, did I ruin it? And he said, no, you didn't ruin it. Accidents happen. The the thing that matters is nobody's hurt and it's not broke. I'm just like, he oh. handled it so well. Like I would have lost my cool. Yeah. I, and that's what I was nervous about because I'm, I didn't know that it wasn't my fault initially. So then, then I just kept repeating. I'm like, I had the right ball on. Please don't be mad. 
Yeah, like, I know. Yeah, he was super under, like not understanding. It it was an accident and accidents happen. Well, and I hate disappointing my husband or my in-laws, like my business partners, the people that we run this business with, which it absolutely is a business. When I do something wrong, when I don't get a bill paid on time, or if I misfile something, or if I wreck something, um, breaking my windows in my house, like I was upset about that. Right. But the first thing you think is, God, what's so-and-so going to think? Or are they mad at me? And that's exactly how I was. Yeah, I know. Ugh, I know. We had a, um, a bill that comes electronically through our email and I didn't receive it in August, but we pay so many bills that if it doesn't come to me, I don't pay it. It's not like, Oh, I just remembered this month. I didn't pay this bill. Never feel that way. Okay. Unless it's like a big, like house payment. If it's right. just a bit like a vendor payment and it, it doesn't come, I just don't pay it because we have so many. And so, um, I didn't pay this bill in August. And it was like $421, I'm pretty sure, with some extra change. It wasn't like a $10,000 well, Jordan goes up. Bill. No. Okay, we could have paid it at any <laughs> point in time. Jordan goes up to this place and um, they said, oh, you know, you have to pay your bill. This is 30 days late. And I'm sure he was just mortified, embarrassed. So he calls me and he's like, hey, did you pay this bill? And I said, I don't remember. But I said, I'll check. Let me get on the accounting program. And I hadn't. So I just apologized all over myself. I said, Jordan, I'm so sorry. I'm sure that was so embarrassing. I'm sure I didn't say it that nicely. I was like overwhelmed. I was defensive. I was mad. Right. And I'm like, well, I'm sure I paid it, but I didn't. And come to find out it didn't end up in my inbox. It wasn't in there. And you know, when I got the August bill on September, the very last day of September, what is that? September 30th. After that's they when realized I was, they didn't send it. I sent, I got the August bill and like two hours hours later, I got the September bill. So I emailed the guy and I said, Hey, if you, if this would be better, cause I know everybody's going to like email bills or electronically delivered bills. I'm like, if, if I don't have the bill, I don't pay it. So if you want to mail it to me, that would be better. Um, right. so we'll see how he was fine. He said, no, it's no problem. Like I told him our payment was in the mail and, but I was so embarrassed. And I know Jordan was like a, a little bit aggravated with me and, and I hate disappointing, especially Jordan and my in-laws. I hate that. Yeah, I, me too. I'm the same way. <laughs> uh, so yeah, after that all happened, we're good now. I'm, my heart isn't um, anymore. You had something else go on that we can talk about real quick. It has to do with heat and wind and insurance. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're on the combine, which Bart taught me how to run the combine. That's something else new. And while we're in there and I'm learning all the ins and outs and the buttons and all the good stuff. We get a call because Bart's brother is on a, on the fire crew. And then one of our hired men is, and he's like, there's a fire at, it's called Canco is like the town fire at Canco right by your corn. And Bart and I are both like, Oh my gosh. Cause our, uh, what crop else? yeah, our crop consultant just told us that that's the best corn we've ever had there. We finally got rain. <laughs> and so Bart's like, uh, what do we do? I said, well, surely there's insurance, isn't there? So I called our insurance agent and she got on the ball right away, asked the legals. We gave it to her how many acres. So she got it all put together and come to find out after the fire, that is only if it is like a God, God happening thing, like lightning or, you know, anything like that. Not because a guy's combine started on fire. But yeah. I wouldn't have done that. Me neither. And so for future reference, whoever starts the fire, their liability has to cover your crop. 
So his combine liability would have had to pay for our crop. Which then you just hope that that person has appropriate liability insurance because once it maxes out, then that's it. Hands up. Right. You hit your million dollars and there's you settle. left. Yeah. And it may not even be a million dollars. Like you can have a smaller policy, I'm pretty sure. So Whitney is being very like 50,000 foot view of this. She texts me while this fire is burning and was like, have you ever had anything like this happen? What can I do? Who can I call? Like I need some help. And I'm sitting here like, call your insurance agent, call the fire department. You can get insurance on so many things, but I've never thought about a fire. And that's where our corn is dry. It's like going to go up in the blades of corn. Yeah. The, my very last suggestion was, I don't know how bad it's burning, but can you go like till it up? Can you run a tractor over it? Which I'm sure is not the right thing to do, but that's what we would have tried to do if it wasn't huge. Right. And so that is our absolute farthest away field from us. It's like 40 miles. And so you can't even get a tractor out there before the whole thing would be gone. Right. We were just relying on the fire department to do their duty and they did. They got it out before it got to us. Bless their yeah. souls. Your fire dues are well worth it. True that. Uh, what else do we got? Um, yield after plant 19 over here in the region of Missouri is exceptionally well. That's great. Yeah. We had, um, like I said, we had two rain days and so we've been working so late because there's been like in the next five days, there's like substantial amounts of rain. So the first weekend it was like a two incher and everywhere around us got two to four inches and we got two tenths. Like we were so lucky, but, but before that we were working till midnight and then Jordan would spend another hour or two hours working on the grit with the grain dryer and blah, blah, blah. So we've been super lucky there as far as rain goes and the yields, like some fields are below average. Like we have two fields that I know of that are really right at or below average, but the rest have been really good. So I'm really have no complaints on that area, but that's better than what it could have been. Oh my gosh. We could have had no crop, no crop or really crappy average. Yeah. And, and I swear to you any other year, it would be the, um, it would, the rain would turn off in July, but for whatever reason, we got a nice rain every week. Yeah. That weather, it can just control our whole life. Can't it? (laughs) It Sure does. But we're good. We're, we're feeling very grateful, even though we're working long hours and that can be super exhausting. I know that last night I felt really tired. I took um, food to Jordan in the field, which we've done every night, which works really well when we get to do that. Cause I know he enjoys having a little bit of like time with family because he's working so hard. Um, but I went home and I'm like, man, we've been in harvest for, Oh, only 14 days. <laughs> <laughs> Our whole life. How, um, how is Jordan doing with everything late? And- Good. I think a couple, it was like two days ago, we'd ran really hard for about four days in a row. And he had been up until two in the morning, like one 30, he'd laid down finally. And then he got back up at six 30 to go run again. And that next day he was like, gosh, dang it. I need more people. I need this. I need that. I said, Jordan, it's, we're almost done with corn harvest. Cause once we start beans, things slow down. We just don't have to run trucks as hard. It doesn't take as many people. Corn harvest is so fast and so hard. And it was so hot here. It's been in the nineties for the last two weeks. It's been so, so hot. So he's been a little overwhelmed, but I think like last night he got to sleep all night and he's doing just fine today. He's in the mode of just getting it done. Right or they're overwhelmed, but they also, those guys also kind of like live off of the adrenaline of being super busy. Yeah. I think he loves it. Like this, he loves this part of farming. I mean, if you say crop farming or hog farming, Jordan really is through and through a tractor man. 
So he, he likes it, but he, there'll be a time when we're tired, but it's only October 3rd, no, 4th, 5th, 6th. It's sometime the first week of October and it's like, it's just the beginning. Right. So Bart the other night, he's like, 2019 has been long. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. He's, he said, I haven't worked, which he has. He's just being modest. Haven't worked super hard, but it's just been nonstop. And I said, yeah, I had like since March, we've just went balls to the wall. Yeah. So. Well, we are going to get to have a fun December. Yes. Cause Kylie is going to go on vacation with us. <laughs> Talk about crashing a party. <laughs> So we kind of chatted like jokingly that, well, we were already going to Nashville in December and I'm, I just said, come with us, just come along. And so then the other day she finally texted back and said, fine, book it. And I said, okay, <laughs> no turning back. Yeah. Back. So Jordan has listened to the podcast since we began and he really enjoys it. He thinks it's, I mean, he likes to listen to some of the stuff that maybe I wouldn't tell him, not necessarily, or it wouldn't come up in conversation. So I think he likes that aspect of it. Um, but then Bart just listened, right? Recently. Yeah. He binge listened to all seven of them in the tractor and they both agree separately. Like they've never met, they've never talked. They're like, you know, I think that we, we could meet them. Like it would be fine if we met, you know, Bart and Whitney. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. And so Whitney said the same, Bart had said the same thing. So we just decided to do it. So we're going to be ready to be bombarded with some Whitney Instagram story. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So back to this and and, you know we're gonna have fun we know that already yeah how was your dc can you recap that for us oh yeah for sure i can't believe we didn't last time because i think i just gotten back so october is national pork month holla holla your favorite pork farmer over here um we love all thing pig all things pigs but we have a lot of adversity facing the industry right now. Um, we all know that trade is a struggle. And so I got to go to DC with this group called the Pork Leadership Institute. And I am Missouri's representative in that. So I'm the only person from Missouri, which is really cool. And um, I got to meet 19 other producers out there. And we're talking anywhere from like show pigs to large production managers to family farm owners all kinds of just a variety of pig farmers out there in DC. And we go on four trips throughout the year. It's put on by the national pork producers council, which works with legislation for our industry. And then the national pork board, which does the promotion, the PR of the industry. So um, like the big blue pork sign that you may see different things like that, eat more bacon. That's them. They're pushing the industry. Okay, so that's cool that the, that panel has so many different variety of people on it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We sat down to dinner and this girl's like, yeah, we raise show pigs. And I'm like, okay, tell me more. Like I'm all about the pork industry, but I have no idea about this facet of the, of the industry. Yeah. There's a family here that raises show pigs. So I know about that and I don't know about your side. Mm-hmm. So I like to see when you share. Yeah. Yes. It's definitely different over here. I suppose. I think the, the pork industry is so small it's big, but it's small really in the whole United States. And so you kind of learn a little bit about everything, but like show pigs is not one of those things. So I I will enjoy looking um, forward to meeting her again and visiting more about just the changes in her seasons because it's different. Right. Yeah. Show pigs is big back here. Yeah. Like state fair, county fair, all of that. Interesting. Like that's so interesting to me. It is very interesting. So while we were in DC, we got to talk to our 
uh, respective state legislators, so senators and House of Representative members, and they, they, we talked on trade because that's a big thing with China, Japan, USMCA. We talked about foreign animal disease and the need to push through and get a bigger um, foot mouth disease vaccine bank, and then also trying to keep ASF, African swine fever, out of the United States. So um, it was a really eye-opening experience. If you saw my pictures, people didn't tell me to dress neutrally because I was the only one in a neon red <laughs> blazer. <laughs> Hello, Kylie's here. <laughs> She's here. Right. Um, talk about a statement. Wow. But it was very eye-opening. We get to go back to the Legislative Action Conference in March. And then actually at the end of October, I get to go to the country of Colombia. Mm, fun. Yeah. We have a Columbia, Missouri, but, but um, it's not there. It's actually in South America. So that will be really interesting. That will be awesome. That's really cool that you get to do that. You should be very proud that you're on something like that. Thank you. I'm really excited. It's, um, I didn't really let myself get excited until I went and now I'm really looking forward. I got to meet everybody and we're going to have a comfortable, you know, trip now to Columbia because we are all friends now. Right. And it's nice that you can bring that information back to Jordan and his parents. Like it be the be, one. I know. Something different. Definitely. That's cool. Uh, let's chat MFP payments. I got mine. Yep. We got our first half, which they're not promising out the second half. So mm -hmm. we'll see. Half is better than none. That's right. And they're supposed to come in like the next two are supposed to come in 25% and 25%, I think. And if you don't know what MFP is, if you're not if you don't sign up for that or you aren't farm related, uh, market facilitation program is what this is. And it's basically government assistance for when the commodities are really bad. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's the easiest way to explain it, that it, when the commodities are crap, they offer some assistance per acre or like in Kylie's case, is it per hog? Well, it, it's different. Last year it was based on your crop, if I'm not mistaken. So we got okay. paid a different amount don't quote me on this. I'm thinking very broadly. And sometimes I can't remember what I ate for breakfast. So, um, I think we got paid by crop at one point in the last couple of years, this time it's by acre for the crops. So whether you plant, whatever, whatever it was included. And then hogs is based on your inventory for a certain period of time. Okay. Gotcha. So it was so, yeah. like April to May or something. And you had all your hogs that you owned and you have to be an owner. So if you were a contract grower, you wouldn't get money for that. Cause that wasn't on your, like your liability, it wasn't your hogs, but since right. we independently owned, then, um, it was our, based on our inventory per hog. Right. And so I know they paid out specialty crops, uh, just your regular corn, milo, wheat, mm -hmm. soybeans, and then they did dairy and hogs and it varies. Your payment varies on your County. And yeah. so I know our payment was better this year than we've ever gotten before. And then we've also heard like a county beside us was lower. And so, you know, of course they were upset about that, but then we've heard pretty high numbers. And you know, when they, when they came out with that, the average was supposed to be $15 an acre and ours was way above that. Ours was also, we farm in three separate counties and I think two were $61 an acre and one was 65. And then I think a neighboring county over was like 70. Right. So we farm in two counties too, and one was 48 and one was 43, which was way better than we've ever gotten before. So we were good with it. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's not, it's nothing though. Like if you ask any farmer out there, we're absolutely thankful for this because 
we uh, are getting hit so hard on the market side. And so Whitney and I were candidly chatting before this, farmers pay for it in every single way. So your consumer in the, your, your urban area, or your just consumer who doesn't, who works off of the farm, they may see a rise in their grocery prices, or they may see a rise in something small, a small aspect of their life. Don't get me wrong. Food is expensive. I get it. But farmers have to pay more at the store and they also have to get less in their pocketbook. It's a direct correlation. Like those trade wars, farmers are definitely taking the brunt of that um, issue. That yeah, yeah. Fight. Yeah, farmers pay every way. They pay the freight to get there, the freight to get back. I mean, we get charged every which way, which that we know our life. We know that's going to happen. But I heard a podcast the other day where a guy was saying that you know, he was telling farmers back in January when it was 389 contract, contract, and nobody mm-hmm. wanted to do it because, oh, it's going to hit $5. And he said, I understand that people like to gamble and try to get as much as they can. But he said, do you think those farmers now are looking back and wishing they would have contracted that 389? And it's like, yeah. And he, he just said, some people bank so much on the markets changing a bunch throughout a year. And he said, on a normal year, they don't. And a lot of people rely on the MFP. And he also said, that's not always going to be there. You know, 2012 changed that. I think, I mean, 2012 was the drought year here. I don't know if you guys were drought out in uh, Kansas. You have to be, it was a horrible year. We pushed a bunch of our corn over because it wasn't worth combining. And that's when the markets really skyrocketed and it became a normal to see what such a flux up and down, up and down in those grain markets. Right. Um, I think also farmers are relying on the MFP payment. And while it is great because we are getting hit so hard in the, in the just general trade area, it is a great asset for us to be able to, um, have something to help us out. I do think at some point that MFP payment will not be there. No, I mean the government can't, that can't always be there. And there's not always going to be someone that's in the farmer's corner either. Yep. Yep. So we have to be thankful for what we have when we have it, but we also have to really, prepare ourselves for when we don't have it. So whether that be marketing, we watch the markets all the time. You know, I try to learn a little bit. Jordan is definitely our marketer, but I'm trying to learn a little bit um, just to get a better understanding of how it works. Right. And he also said in there, this is just kind of like a tip he gave. He said, you know, wheat is grown worldwide. Yep. He said that is one, one crop that you should not bank on trying to play the markets because he said every, anyone can sell it. Anyone can sell it at the price that it's at. So he said, don't bank on getting rich on playing the market. So yeah, I thought that was good. I need to mention that to Bart. He said that. Don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket for sure. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, we're going to have a market gal on another podcast because we want to chat that more. Well, and I think it's going to be a bigger part of our podcast because we're so, you and I are so un educated really at that, on that topic. So it'll be interesting to hear from another point of view on, um, and learn ourselves. Right. Knowledge is power. And that is something I would really like to learn more on. I agree. What, what about you? How are you feeling like right now? What's this is we're deep into harvest already. It doesn't seem like it, but we are. Um, I would say that we're, we're like plateaued if that's a word for life. Like we have so far to go yet that we can't, we can't be down and mm-hmm. out already. We have way too much to do. So I think if we can keep our combines going good, we've struggled with breakdowns. So if we can keep our combines going good, attitudes up, I think that we can just keep pushing through. 
How's it been with your kids though? Remember we talked about last year you were pregnant during harvest with Rowdy and actually he has like been the best little combine or tractor baby ever. He's so happy and he just naps whenever he wants and the other two are used to it. So they're good, but I've been pleasantly surprised with him. He's been good. Bless his heart. But he's, he's also so a total food baby. So if you just like give him some Cheetos, he'll be good wherever he's at. <laughs> <laughs> he'll gnaw on it for a while. <laughs> yeah. So it's been really good. How about you guys with meals and single seasonal mom? Good. It's been really good. You know, we're tired, but that's okay. Again, we, we have quite a bit of our corn out, but we have a lot of bean acres this year because of the way planting went. And so we do still have quite a ways to go as well. Janet and I have been able to go up and work in the scale house, which has been fun. I mean, we both enjoy it because we get away from the office and we take a book or work on stuff on the internet. Um, so we, yeah, we take turns and she likes it just as much as I do. So that's been really nice that we've had, uh, one Janet and I get along really well. So that's always nice to be in the office. We find ourselves talking too much. Usually when we're here together, we get a lot more done without each other. So when one of us goes up to the scale house, we work harder. (laughs) Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, but overall, when I'm not in the field, I get lonely, obviously. Yeah. It's weird. I don't get lonely during the day at all, probably because I keep myself busy, but it's like after I put the kids to bed, which is usually heavenly to sit by myself, but it's just like, huh, now what? And see, mine is from like five to eight. Like when the kids are awake still, I get lonely and and I don't even know if lonely is the right word. I just get, uh, like I start feeling sad for myself. Yeah. Which is silly. I know, but we all do it. The good thing is the weather's been cooperating. We've been close to home. So we have been able to go take food. And while that is an exhausting process, at least then we get to, um, see Jordan and it takes an hour and a half. Like the round trip just takes an hour and a half by the time we eat and we take him food and we stop and visit and then we get back in the car and just takes an hour and a half. And so that helps to, um, just wear time out really. Yeah. But it's nice to be able to see each other. Yep. And I call my mom a lot. Yeah. I drink a lot of beer. (laughs) (laughs) Truly's have been my jam lately, so I can relate. Oh, that's funny. Another thing that we've had going on is Sunday, we started Farm Wives Run virtual 5k a day. Yeah. Well, how can we forget about talking about that? Yeah. So it's been super fun. We've had a theme every day. Um, I haven't been getting him a 5k every day, but I've gotten a mile or two. So that's better than nothing. Yeah. And I want to be really transparent when I say that I had no idea it was 5k a day. <laughs> See, and I thought, we so for all you ladies this. out there that no out there who said, Oh, I didn't know 5k a day. Yeah. Me either. <laughs> Kylie was blindsided. It's okay. Cause like, it. Right. I'm like one of the people who created it and it was fine. Cause I have that half marathon this weekend, which everybody say a little prayer for me, which I guess when you're listening to this, I'll have already ran it. Yeah. You'll be good. Um, I'll let you know how that goes on Monday. Um, but just think if you're out there and you're whether you get a half a mile, a mile of 5k every single day, some of you are killing it with more miles when you get done and you total up your miles and you send it to me, you're going to be so grateful. Like when you're listening to this, you're going to say, look at what I did. Look what I did last week. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome job guys. Awesome participation. Yes. And so we have an interview with the 10 K giveaway winner is Jennifer Schmidt and Kylie's going to interview her. So that'll be fun. 
that will be fun. We'll learn a little bit about her. She's definitely an ag advocate for the ag industry and she does a great job on her social media. So I will have a lot of fun just visiting with her, which will be after this podcast. So hang on and listen, but let's go ahead and end it with a quote and we'll get on out of here. Okay. It's a short one, but it's powerful. Hit us with it. Without struggle, there is no progress. Very true to farming. Very true to life. Like if you're not going to struggle through something in some way, shape or form, then you're maybe too complacent. Maybe it's too easy. Like, yep. I just said last night on my Instagram that, oh, how did I word it? I can't remember. You have to have shitty days because then it makes you more grateful for the good ones. Mm -hmm. And so that was me yesterday. I feel you every day. So today's going to be a good day. Sounds perfect. We'll send it on over to myself and Jennifer. So stick around. Okay. Hello, I have Jennifer Schmidt here and she was our fun 10K contest giveaway winner and is also a big supporter of the Midwest Farm Wives podcast. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? Hi, Kylie. I'm great. Awesome. Thank you so much for hopping on here with me. Um, tell me about yourself. So um, my husband and I live on a farm in northern Iowa. We actually live in Rockford, Iowa, so not very far from the Minnesota border, in fact. Um, we have a small farm, and we have cattle, hogs, a couple of turkeys right now on our farm, um, have hay and corn planted right now. Um, I grew up in this area. My husband and I both grew up in northern Iowa. We actually right now live about five miles east of my parents and three miles to the north of his parents, so not very far from everyone. Seems that's always nice when you have kids, too, that they can be close to their grandparents. Yes, absolutely. We spend a lot of time at both grandpas and grandmas, and there's cousins around, which makes it lots of fun. Awesome. Did you grow up in agriculture? You grew up close to where you live now, but were you in ag? Yes. So my parents um, had a cow cop. Cow, excuse me, cow calf operation, um, hogs. We had chickens. We had you know everything at our house. Um, had a row crop operation as well. And I, my brother even dabbled in sheep for a little while. I have two older brothers that uh, were a part of that growing up. My dad farmed with my two uncles at that time when we were kids. Um, but we had an active role in helping with anything we could around home. Um, this is my favorite time of year, and it brings back a lot of memories of you know, getting to help uh, ride in the combine, help take uh, supper to the fields and things like that. Um, and then my husband also has a farm background. So his parents had feeder calves and then hogs also, as well as hay and row crop. So we both um, grew up on the family farm and were active in FFA. Um, I was in 4-H when I was younger, and then we both were in the same FFA chapter as we were in high school serving in officer roles. And I always tell everyone that that um, has helped me get to where I am today because of my interview skills I learned when I was in FFA and my public speaking skills. And I always encourage kids to, to try FFA, even if they don't come from an agriculture background because there's so many skills that they will learn um, just being a part of the group. That's so fun. I love FFA for that reason. My husband and I actually also met in FFA. We were from two separate schools, so that's kind of a fun, um, and FFA is so valuable to all the adolescent, um, that generation. It's a very valuable tool. Yes, absolutely. 
So what is your role in agriculture today? So today, my husband and I um, have, like I mentioned, we have hogs, cattle, um, cow-calf, and we feed out our own calves as well. Um, and then we have pigs, which it's a really funny story how we have pigs, so I'll have to tell you that maybe if we have time. Um, and then we raise hay for ourselves and then also sell hay. Um, but we both have off-the-farm jobs as well. So I'm a special education consultant in education, um, work for a local area education agency. But this year is the first year I have gone to working four days a week rather than five days a week. And it has been amazing. Um, just given me an opportunity to do things that we've been wanting to do around here and market our product um, because we tend to market our pork and cattle, pork and beef directly to buyers um, that we deliver it to the locker and then they go pick it up, pick up their meat from the locker. Um, so it allows me to do a little bit more marketing with that as well as things around here. You know how the list is never, um, you can never get everything done because Rob also works off the farm. He works in the electrical industry um, and he is very, very busy with his job. So we tend to do a lot of things on weekends and late nights um, just to get everything done, but it works for us and, and we work together as a family on it. So, Isn't that the story of all uh, farming families, late nights, never ending work. I feel like that's- yes definitely how it is. I cannot imagine though having two off the farm jobs. So I send major props and high fives to you from across the screen. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's, it's like, you, like you said, it's never ending, but it's so what we tell do, me, so. tell me like the abbreviated version of the hog story. Okay. So Charlotte is our sow. So we have one sow and one boar. That's it. okay. Um, but Charlotte was found by my dad. She had must've fallen off of a truck going to wherever she was going because she was a, just a tiny little weanling at the time. And so we reached out to the local, you know, producers in the area checking. And of course, because of biosecurity, everybody said she maybe was ours, but you can have her because we can't take her back. Mm -hmm. So she was our daughter's, you know, pet project for a little while. And then eventually we ended up buying a boar. So now it works out that every um, few months, you know, we're selling pork from her and been a nice little profitable um, business for us and the girls get some of that money too. So it's kind of fun. But yeah, so that's the shortened version of Charlotte. Charlotte um, met some people like when she was a baby, Ragbri went through right mm -hmm. south of our house. It's a, the Iowa bike ride. And so it was so fun because people from all over the place got to see a pig and pet Charlotte and all that kind of stuff. So very small hog operation compared to what a lot, a lot of other people have, but it works out good. Cause like I said, we, um, deliver the, the hogs right to the locker and then people are able to, um, pay for the processing. They pay for the meat. They pay us for the meat, but then pay the locker for the processing and it works out well. So that's such an interesting story. <laughs> I think that, um, we'll just preface all the producers in your area that sometimes slats don't go in the truck in the correct position, or maybe the piglet probably shouldn't have been on the wean truck. If I had yep. to guess, yep. so not a common practice for pigs to fall off. Um, pig trailers. No. <laughs> it was just kind of a freak accident. I'm assuming. Um, it was, it was, it was just a freak accident. My dad happened to just be driving down the road actually yeah. with a, with a four wheeler. Cause we were moving cattle at the time. And uh, the little piglet just ran and hid right under the four-wheeler, just like a cat, he said, would hide from something. So yeah, no, not common practice. And of course, they were all wanted to make sure she was okay. You know, everybody oh. that we talked to wanted to make sure she was okay. And, of course, and you was. and I, yeah, you and I know that. So I just wanted to make sure that the listeners who aren't familiar with like 
pork production that that's yes. not normal. That's not common. No. <laughs> so you have already touched on it, but what is your, like you have a great Instagram, um, following and you do a really good job talking on and on telling about the farm and farm life. Is that, what is your why? And just tell me a little more about that. Yeah. So I feel really strongly that we all have a story. Um, you know, and that's something I appreciate about your guys' pages and podcasts too. You know, we're not a huge operation, but yeah, I feel like we're just as valued as Mm -hmm. anybody else would be, um, as far as our farm, farm operation. And that's part of my why I have seen, you know, my family go through some tough times, my, you know, like my own immediate family. Um, my brothers are both farming on their own now and I'm watching them you know, during this time period. And I just feel like we all have a story to share. And if we don't share our own stories, someone else is going to tell them and they might not be the way that we want them told, so to speak. Um, So I just feel really passionate about that. And that's why I use my blog. I use my social media to try to make sure that people understand um, the way we're raising our product, the the work that goes into it, um, that it's a family commitment. It's not just my husband and I, we have two daughters that Um, yes, it's fun. You know, they do FFA or excuse me, 4-H and they get to do some of the fun showing, but they're still out. You know, I told you this, um, we've been out moving manure and cleaning out cattle pens and hog pens and they're a part of that too. So, um, I just feel really strongly about that. That's my why is I want to make sure that people know everyone's story. In fact, you know, you're preaching to the choir over here. Yes. (laughs) Um, I totally agree. I think that's, I think that's great. And it's important what you said about your kids, like you're not doing it all for them. And so it's teaching them discipline and, um, it's teaching them how to be, to persevere over issues. And I mean, it's teaching them all these amazing qualities that they may not learn otherwise until later in life, really. Yes, absolutely. One of the things that I've been really, um, passionate about lately is also telling the story for those people that don't have social media or don't have a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I see my in-law, my father-in-law and he's getting up in his late seventies and he, we've got, you know, he's on an iPhone now and he's kind of understanding Facebook. And, um, I just think about the stories that that generation has that if they're not told now and they're going to go away someday. And so I feel really passionate about making sure that we tell their story as well. Not only our farm stories or our agriculture stories, but um, I just fear that someday if we don't tell their story, it will be gone. And, and we know how important that's been too. I learned something new every time I like really quiz my father-in-law and my mother-in-law. So I, I totally get that. And I think it needs to be documented in some way. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. So tell me where we can find all of this good information about you at blog, Instagram, any social media you would like to tell us about. Sure. Um, I have a blog. It's called tales from the gravel That's where you can find um, my, a lot of my writing, but it's tales spelled T A I L S rather than um, it's a, like a pigtail. Mm-hmm. So tales from the gravel is the blog. Um, I'm really pretty active on Instagram. I love Instagram Insta stories. So um, on Instagram, I'm at Jennifer K K A Y Schmidt and Schmidt is S C H M I T T. And I'm also on Facebook. Um, I'm, I like to make friends on Facebook and reach out to people that way as well. So you can find me there too. Okay. That sounds great. Thank you so much for taking time and being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me.
We sure appreciate all of you listening today. We would love to reach more women in ag. If you would like, please share our podcast with your friends and let us know what you think. You can also find us on Instagram at farmwifeguru and at the grateful farmwife. Be sure to follow or subscribe to the Midwest Farmwives podcast on your favorite podcast streaming app. We'll see you next time. And remember, every day may not be good, but there is some good in every day. Stay grateful, friends.